Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. Hey everybody, this is Kyle V, host of the Ozark Podcast. If you like the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast, we have a show for you. We sit down with local outdoorsmen of Arkansas, Missouri, and Oklahoma to talk all things hunting, fishing, conservation, history, and culture in the Ozark Mountains region. Just like the outdoorsmen who live here, we follow the seasons and interview regional experts to discuss the pursuits of hunting turkeys, bears, and whitetail, as well as the science behind their conservation. Join me and my co-host Kyle Plunkett every Wednesday and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You're listening to the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Now let's get to the episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Strut Report. Again, this is your host, Jacob Myers. Super excited for this week's episode. We really kind of dive in deep with some turkey killers uh, from across the southeast. And also, one of our good buddies up in the Midwest uh, who was getting after some turkeys in Nebraska. But we're going to be covering a couple different states uh, this week. Covering Florida, Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi, Louisiana, and Nebraska. Now, I know there's some other states that are opening up as well, like South Carolina and Tennessee. uh, Again, within this next week or so. And for you guys, we're going to try to have a little bit more of you guys on this coming week's strut report. But there's a lot of really good tips that are coming from this episode. A lot of these guys have had success within the last week or so killing turkeys. Um, some of them are very, very similar tactics they use. And also, most of these guys are getting very, very excited, especially in like Mississippi, Alabama, and Georgia. 
for this next week. This very first week in April ought to be on fire per everybody's uh, kind of past experiences and what they've been seeing and hearing. So it ought to be fantastic for a lot of gobbling and a lot of turkeys should be dying over this next week or so. So if you've got some sick time, you might want to be calling off, especially with some pretty weather that we should be having. Um, or, man, uh, just take a little bit of vacation time over this next week or so. But appreciate you tuning in. Uh, again, make sure you tune in for uh, on Friday, Friday afternoon, going into Saturday morning. We're going to be dropping this week week's Southern Outdoorsman listener success story, Turkey Edition, uh, with a, another listener of the show who had success opening week in Alabama using tips and tactics from the show. By the way, if you're listening to the Strut Report and you use tips and tactics from the guests this weekend while you're hunting and you have success, shoot us a message either on Facebook, Instagram, or on our email at thesouthernoutdoorsman.com and let us know what tips and tactics helped you, what guest it was, and we'll maybe choose you for a future episode of the Southern Outdoorsman listener success story. But other than that, guys, I will shut up and we'll jump right on into this week's episode. All right, everybody. And first on the line, we've got Chris Jenkins coming back on for another short report. Chris, uh, kind of kick us off coming in from that North Georgia area. What has the gobbling activity been like for you over this last week in North Georgia? Yeah, I'd say the uh, the gobbling activity's been pretty good, uh, despite, you know, kind of some up and down weather. Um, and I say that in particular relative to the to the last few years. I've pretty much heard a, a gobbling turkey, I think, every day that I've been out with maybe the exception of one in the last week. So it's been it's been really good. Fantastic. And kind of getting over to our next question, you know, in the area that you're hunting in North Georgia, right now, are these gobblers still fairly hinned up, or are you finding a lot more lone gobblers out there? Yeah, so I'd say last week uh, I killed my first uh georgia mountain bird last week on the national forest and uh and that bird was actually uh in a really big group there were four gobblers and probably 20 or 30 hens uh, a huge group for the mountains and uh so they were all together i you know i actually uh, you know to kill the bird um i had my I had my shotgun beat on them and uh I had three of the four gobblers like right with each other. I could have killed all three with, with one shot, but I only wanted to kill one. So I was, had to actually wait for them to, to separate a little bit before I shot. So that was last week um, in, in one particular place, but, um, you know, again, up in the mountains. And then, uh, but this week, you know, I, I've been seeing a lot of lone gobblers uh, today. You know, I hunted this morning for a few hours, and then I, I slipped back in for a couple hours this afternoon. <clears throat> and um, over the course of that, I saw three gobblers, and all of them were all by themselves. So, um, And then, again, I killed the second Georgia gobbler the beginning of this week, uh, and that bird was completely alone, um, just gobbling like crazy. Never saw or heard any other sign of a hen, so... Is that pretty much on par of where it should be, uh, you know, this time of the season? Well, to me, actually, it kind of surprised me a little bit. Uh, I thought they would still be a little more flocked up, and and I'm sure my sample size isn't high enough, and that you know there are some birds that are that are kind of together. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it doesn't surprise me that much, I guess. But uh, but you know, I do would expect in the next you know week to still see some birds grouped up. I just think I've been bumping into some gobblers the last few days that have been alone. So. Well, that's never a bad thing. And kind of getting over uh, another question I want to touch on with you, kind of coming from that North Georgia area, you know, what kind of habitat 
is – or what kind of habitat are a lot of these turkeys wanting to stick to this time of the year? And is there going to be any kind of shift in that kind of movement, especially in elevation, you know, over this next week or so that we could, that we could see? Well, I would say that, uh, <clears throat> you know, the turkeys in general, how they're feeding, I don't think of like a, an elevational shift – you know, say throughout the turkey season necessarily. Um, you know, I do think they're, they're uh, you know, where they are elevation-wise can vary um, depending on food. And, and there still is quite a bit of, you know, acorns uh, left in the woods here and there, and they've been scratching for those. So that could influence it. But I don't see like a, you know, a vertical migration, say, whereas the season goes on, the turkeys necessarily go up uh, in elevation. I will say you can see some differences, you know, say you're hunting at 2000 feet and then you move later in the season and you're hunting like 5,000 feet elevation. Um, I don't think it's that the turkeys have moved up, but their gobbling activity, just like you're moving north to south, the, the breeding activity can, you know, certainly at higher elevations comes on uh, later. But in terms of where they're uh, typically hanging out, uh, you know, most of the forest here is, is kind of a, you know, a hardwood type forest dominated by, by various, uh, you know, species of oaks and hickories and, uh, and things like that. And, but typically the birds, uh, will roost kind of on, uh, you know, kind of on knobby points, um, not necessarily at the top of ridges. I, I won't say that they, they don't, uh, roost at the top of ridges, but oftentimes kind of like off a secondary ridge, a point there where maybe you have some pines, some big pines. That's pretty, uh, pretty typical uh, for for the uh, for the gobblers to be roosted. They can really, uh, you know, they, their voice can really carry. You know, for example, that second bird I shot at the beginning of this week, uh, that bird, uh, I first heard that. Uh, at sunup and I started started moving towards it and I mean that bird was a good over a mile from me and so uh, you know the point is is you know when I'm listening for birds I'm typically up high listening long distances through the mountains and the birds are oftentimes roosted in those types of situations as well where their gobble can carry but again nothing's 100% with turkeys but um, I, I would say that's I typically look for those types of places uh, for for roosted gobblers. And I know you've had, you know, success over this last, uh, you know, two weeks or so. What has been working for you when it comes to, like, your, the tactics, how you're approaching, you know, these turkeys? Uh, and has there been anything that hasn't worked for you, um, you know, in the last week or so as well? Well, the, the first bird that I killed, um, there was a, a kind of a little wildlife opening that I knew about, you know, maintained by the Forest Service. And the weather was was uh, pretty windy, and, and I knew – where the birds were roosting approximately. And so I thought they were going to want to be moving towards that. So I set up between the roosting area and this area that I thought they wanted to uh, move to. And it worked, uh, worked perfectly. Uh, but the second bird, and then, you know, all the other birds I've been hearing pretty similar to my, my standard mountain tactic where, um, you know, I use this concept in my head, at least I call it the zone and the bubble and, and meaning, uh, you know, the zone is, is a pretty broad area, an area uh, from which I can, I can hear the turkey. And so I always position myself in the mountains at, at a relatively good listening point. And we have the topography uh, to do that. And I've got, I've been hunting here a long time, so I know where some of the hot spots are for the birds, but I'll get to high points and then I'll listen for 
for the uh i'll listen for goblin birds and and then i i, I won't call i don't typically don't do locator calls or you know i won't call until i'm close to a bird unless i'm blind calling later in the day so anyways i'll i'll be on this high point uh and then when i hear a bird i just move for it and i try to get uh within what i would call its bubble which would be you know maybe 75 to 100 yards and uh and then and then i'll set up and and you know might start calling a little bit and doing those types of things so i've been using that as my pretty that's a pretty standard technique that i use you know i'm always you know we got a lot of topography here so i'm pretty wary about how i set up relative to where the bird's tree is um, those types of things meaning you know typically the bird will kind of pitch off onto the slope um, not always go up, but, you know, I like to kind of be just like most people would say, kind of at uh, the same or higher elevations uh, as the bird. But um, but basically, it's kind of my standard strategy. Get high, listen, and, and just move towards them. And, and like I said, that can be a tense experience. Like this bird I was talking about, the second bird I killed, I had to move. Um, I had to move about over a mile. And, I mean, we're talking down in the – valleys not being able to hear the bird for a while getting up on the next ridge listening to locate it going down another one and um, so it can be pretty intense um, in terms of what's not been working i guess i would say you know that strategy that that uh, zone bubble strategy you know almost cost me on the second bird i killed in that um, I got into its bubble and it, and it wasn't calling anymore. And so I was just about to, to set up, I was, I, you know, getting close to this bird and, uh, and, and that can always be dangerous, but I'm trying to do that all the time. I'm not calling from long distances. And so anyways, I, uh, I'm just about to sit down and, and see if I can locate this bird and start calling. I know I'm close. And then I hear a I hear a put butt up in the tree, and this gobbler is still roosted at 8:45. It took me this distance I'm talking about. It took me, you know, well, you know, an hour to two hours to get to where the bird was. It was that intense of a of a hike over to it. So, but it was still in the tree for some odd reason. So I'd say uh, say that doesn't work. I ended up then hiking back around and doing a big loop over to the mountain that he flew to, and, and ended up getting fired up about an hour later and killing them. But, um, but yeah, get, getting close to the birds, uh, while it's a strategy I always try to employ, you know, it, you certainly bust some birds. Yeah. And it sounds like just playing, you know, playing your cards and, you know, just being really aggressive is something that really you take a lot of heart in, which has helped you be very successful, especially early on in the season. But one thing I want to touch on is kind of like a, a last tip for us before we hop into this next interview is one thing you told me before we start recording is, you know, you hunt almost every day, um, you know, based off work schedules, you know, try to hunt a few hours in the morning before going to the office or going to work. What kind of advice would you give to, you know, listeners that maybe they work, you know, five days a week, uh, you know, an eight to five, nine to five job? Um, you know, what kind of advice would you give them to be able to go out if they have some local public land or private land they have access to close to the house? to be effective during the week to get out there on a, a very quick morning hunt and maybe have a little more success in the week. So when it comes to the weekend, they don't feel a ton of pressure. They don't understand really what's changed in that week time span. Cause it's been, you know, seven days since they've actually been back on that property. Yeah. I mean, the first thing I'd say, uh, 
is that you just got to go do it. I mean, there, you know, if you only have an hour and a half or whatever it might be, uh, you know, as, as you always hear, you know, you're not going to kill a turkey uh, sitting in your, uh, you know, sleeping in your bed or, or whatever it might be. So you just have to go do it. I go hunt in all conditions this morning. I mean, it was pouring rain and I'm still out there tomorrow. We're going to have 40 mile an hour winds. I'll still be out there. So um, the first thing I'd say is, if you have time to get there and and I'd say at least have uh, an hour hunt, um, I certainly would go. If I only had 15 minutes, I'd still go and I'd just listen for birds. Um, and so I would, but I, what I would say um, is that I would know your area very well and the turkeys in it. Um, you know, I'm lucky in that I live in the national forest. And so I have at any given time, I might have, uh, you know, five, six, seven groups of birds with multiple gobblers that I know the general area that they're in. Um, and so that can save you a lot of time. Ha understanding the birds, being out there early, you know, scouting early so you know where birds are, as well as, as hunting multiple years in a row. So so you just know, you know, the areas that the, these birds are, are using because that can make you very efficient. Um, in, in these these early morning hunts, and then uh, at least here in the mountains, there's so much land that in most places the birds aren't pressured that much. So I typically end up hunting the same bird, um, oftentimes many days in a row, um, or multiple days in a row, or um, you know, and I'll leave them and then come back to them. But uh, you know, so I, I kind of identify like individual birds or individual groups of birds that that I'll go back to over and over. But I'd say just having a good knowledge uh, of all of these, these the, the distribution of turkeys in your area um, and, and knowing where they are and hunting them year after year and going back to those places, so you can be very efficient in a short amount of time. And then, uh, you know, I typically will, will get – I'll sometimes get more aggressive, but again, there's always tomorrow is how I look at it. So I'm, I'm very, if I have to leave to, for a work meeting or something and my time's up with the turkeys gobbling, I'll, t I'll leave and, and, you know, come back tomorrow. So, um, j just having a good understanding of the areas you're hunting and the birds so you can be very efficient. Um, if you feel like you need to be aggressive, cause, um, unlike my situation, that bird won't be there tomorrow. I, I would be fairly aggressive. Um, but, uh, but if you're in a situation like I am being very comfortable leaving that bird and, and coming to it the next day. So perfect. Well, Chris, thanks again for coming on for this week's strut report. Best of luck to you for the rest of your season as well. Thank you for having me, Jacob. Always good to talk to you. All right, everybody, and next on the line, we've got Ricky Bullard coming back on the show from his strutcation down there in South Georgia. Had some success over the last week or so, both in North Florida and South Georgia. Uh, Ricky, to kick, kind of kick us off with everything, how has the gobbling activity been for you in both locations? And maybe as we go through these questions, kind of answer them for both kind of states from what you've seen over the last week or so, okay? In uh, South Georgia, uh, the areas I've been hunting, uh, WMAs, it, the goblin's been good, but it has a, it's not like real traditional. They'll gobble, you know, once or twice on a limb, and um, and then kind of shut up for you know a good 30, 45 minutes, and then it seems like I don't know if they the couple hens they have with them, they breed them, and then they move along and they start gobbling again. But that's been my experience. Um, 
you know, uh, Florida, where I was hunting a couple of days after that, it was kind of the same deal, but I think that had more to do with hunters. I had some other hunters um, come in. I think that hindered the gobbling early morning, but they got fired up about an hour, uh, a little under an hour after daylight. Now, is the gobbling activity, what you've been experiencing over the last week or so, is that on par with where it should be this time of the year? Uh, are we a little bit maybe ahead of where it should be or maybe not as hot as you would expect it as this time of the season? Uh, it seems like there. It seems like there's more. I've gotten a lot, a lot more birds later in the morning and and also midday. Um, and I don't know if that that could just be. I've had a lot more midday hunts where I couldn't make it out first thing in the morning. But it seems like it's pretty much on par. Not quite as fired up as they usually are. But I got hung up on this one bird, 106 mornings, and finally killed him. But um, not in a row, just six separate times. But uh, I could hear other gobblers off in the distance, and some of them were just, you know, really going off um, until they flew down. But this particular one, he gobbled a couple times and then shut up, and then <laughs> he wouldn't start gobbling again until his hens left him. And once I found his area, he was strutting, and that was that, that ended up being how I eventually killed him. Awesome. Well, we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, but you kind of jumped into the second question, which I was going to ask in regards to, are you still finding a lot of these gobblers – you know, hinned up or flocked up right now, or are you finding a lot more lone gobblers now uh, with hens kind of going to nest? Uh, it seems to be pretty typical for this time of year. They are with hens. You, I mean, uh, every gobbler I've been on has been roosted with hens, um, but they're leaving them quick. So I think I think they're they're getting through. I mean, the hen they're going to breed the hens continuously as they're laying eggs, but then once that hen is getting towards the end of her breeding cycle, they're going to start slipping away quite earlier and earlier. And um, that seems to be what's happening now. It's getting towards that the, the better part of, of turkey season where it starts. They're, start, they're, they're out looking sooner. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. They're spending a little bit less time with them all day. And it seems like you probably could be a little bit more aggressive kind of getting in and kind of getting close to that bubble, as Chris Jenkins just talked about in the interview before this, um, and, you know, waiting for him to leave those hens, you know, sometime early morning and then uh, making your move and getting them killed. So that's perfect. That's a really good uh, report. I think we'll talk a little bit more maybe how that's played a factor for you. Uh, but also, what kind of habitat right now are these turkeys sticking to? I know the last few times we had you on, you were telling, you know, kind of how they were still down low, even with some the, like the, the flooding and everything that was happening but you know where are these turkeys really wanting to stick to now is it the same kind of habitat or are they moving uh elsewhere uh it, yeah it's pretty, pretty much the same the water's the water level has gone down a lot um with this where i killed the bird in florida the other day was uh, a month ago where he was standing the only thing out of the water would have been the top of his head but now it's you know it's just little puddles here and there uh so it's drying out a lot but they're still in those areas um seeing a lot more scratching because they're actually getting down to some dry ground now. Um, so it's, it's getting a little bit easier to find sign in those swampy areas in, in, in this region, at least. Um, but yeah, and I, honestly, I haven't had an opportunity to hunt a lot of places with, with pines. Um, and the ones that I have, they're not really in them right now. Um, maybe later in the day, but um, I'm just, I've been finding bigger concentrations in the hardwood uh, in the hardwood swamps. Again, you've had success over this last uh, week or so. 
talk talk to us a little bit about what's been working for you, you know, tactic wise or technique wise, um, and kind of walk us through these uh, couple turkeys that you've killed. And also, I know you hunted with your buddy this morning, got very close to killing another turkey. You know, what's kind of been working for you guys over this last weekend? Again, has anything changed? You know, the shift in the season has anything changed compared to what you were doing earlier on in the season uh, when the birds weren't necessarily cooperating? Yeah. So uh, one. One thing that helped that helped me kill that stubborn bird that gave me such a fit, um, I found out through through error of my own. I found out where he was, where he liked to go strut, and he was still in water. He was strutting in water. It was just a little bit more open, and he could be. It was he was visible there. It wasn't high or anything. It's just a little more open. And once I found that area, um, I stopped trying to chase him around because I knew where he was going to go eventually. So um, that helped me out, and then they're not gobbling or they're not responding to you. Um, I've just, I've been, I've, you got, I, you got to get in their bubble. I know it may sound like I'm regurgitating some other information that people have already heard, but, uh, I mean, it's true. Um, that I've even had some birds responding to me and they didn't seem interested or come to me until I got within that, you know, 80, 120 yard, uh, barrier. And then they're like, okay, you know, let me go. Let me go see what this is about. Yeah. So it seems like something special happens when you get within 120 so yards of that turkey. You know, how, what is your approach like? Again, when you're hearing them, they maybe respond to you at a distance, but they're not coming in. You know, what is your approach? How do you approach that kind of situation? And also, what kind of calling sequence do you like to do when you try to get into that bubble? I like to, if I can, let it listen to them gobble on their own, and then uh, try to close some distance. And I'll do some. Not not super aggressive yelps, just a few clucks and yelps. And if, when he responds to me, I cut him off. Like I just cut real hard at him, and uh, they they've been they've been eating that up. They've been gobbling back at that. And when they do, I'm just I'm moving. Sometimes I'm crawling through the water. Sometimes you know whatever you got to do, just try to get a couple trees closer. Every time they got when they gobble, they're letting you know where they're at. So that's your chance. If you're gonna be aggressive, that's the time to do it. Um, and I mean that that really helped me kill the the last two birds, just being able to close the distance. And I I did that on that one gobbler in Georgia, two days, two different days, and I got him in range. But uh, I messed it up <laughs> both times. But finally, third time was a charm, and uh, I was able to slip in close. And that hard cutting, he actually came in behind a hen, and then you know I I just. He kept gobbling, looking for me, and I just shut up. Once once I could see him, I, once I can see him, I typically don't call anymore. But um, yeah, he came in behind us in and gobbled a few times. And when I didn't answer him, he tucked his wings back and walked right in front of her, looking for me, and uh, got him in the range, thirty five yards. But um, the other the the bird I killed in Florida, um, that was kind of kind of the same pretty much the same deal with the calling um i had some hunters come in on me at daylight spooked some birds off the roost i don't know what they were but i went the opposite direction back in back in deeper into the hardwood swamp and i heard one gobble pretty good ways off and i got a little bit closer and i yelped and he answered and i I cut him off you know just cut super hard and aggressive and, and he answered me back and uh when he answered me back i cut him off again and that was it I didn't call anymore because every time he gobbled three or four times coming in and every time, I mean, he was, he was covering some ground. He was probably, you know, 
40, 50 yards or more closer each time he gobbled and then came strutting in, and uh, that was all she wrote. So would you pretty much say that, you know, this time of the season, at least in your area, it can really play uh, a huge part in being more aggressive right now? I mean, it sounds like that would that be kind of your piece of advice for a lot of guys right now, again, to try to, you know, get within range of that bubble and then try to use some aggressive calling to work that bird in? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it it it, it kind of is. It's kind of all relative. If they're not, if it, if the birds aren't gobbling, it's kind of hard to um, to locate them. But that's where your scouting comes in. And you know, if it gets midday, you know, on up in the morning, and, and you haven't heard of one, that's go ahead and do some scouting. If you bump one, so be it. Um, you know, one time is not really going to hurt a whole lot. Just uh, you know, mark where he's at and come back. But you know, try try to strike one later in the morning. Uh, I've had a lot of luck with that today. You know, me and the buddy, my buddy, we got on one. It was ten thirty. Uh, whenever we, I just we, I I yelped and struck him, and you know, I was like, he's up on that hill. Let's set up here. And um, sure enough, <laughs> the next time I yelped, he was way closer. Um, and that bird ended up spooking twenty five yards. Uh, my buddy's trying to do the right thing, but he didn't, couldn't get a clear shot. But, uh, yeah, just it's like I said, it's kind of all relative. You, you got to be aggressive when the time calls for it. Then um, that goes for calling too. If, if they're eating it up, keep on giving it to them. But when they get a little bit closer, it's time to tone it down and, and let them come in looking for you because you don't you don't want them to know exactly where you're at. You know what I mean? Of course. And one thing you brought up was kind of that whole hide the hen deal. <laughs> exactly. You don't want to put yourself out there where if he can visually see where that sound's coming from, you don't need to be making a lot of noise. Um, right. Because that's how you're going to get him to hang up from, a, you know, at especially a longer distance if you're especially in that more open terrain. Now, one thing you mentioned, which I really want to touch on, and then we'll wrap up this uh, interview. What you talked a little bit about midday hunting and, and kind of getting on a little bit more midday birds this year because you haven't been able to get out in the mornings as much as, you know, kind of a past, you know, history in the past years. What tips mm-hmm. do you have for guys that are maybe, you know, maybe they're like you, they can't get out in the morning, but they can get out there at, you know, 10, 11 o'clock or 9, 30, 10, 11 o'clock. What kind of advice would you give them for someone that's going out, you know, hunting midday and, and how would you approach a midday hunt maybe versus like, you know, a morning hunt when you're trying to find one in the roost? Well, I, the, the midday hunts—that's where your scouting comes into play, really. Um, go to a, go to an area that you know has birds, or you suspect has birds. Um, try to strike one. I mean, a lot of people are afraid to yelp before they get set up, and I don't like to do it either. But sometimes you you got to do what you got to do. I mean, don't go walking around yelping like crazy, but get to a certain you know you know educated guest point and uh, somewhere. We don't have a lot of elevation around here. I know high points are really big uh you know alabama north georgia here it's just you know it's all the same it's all flat but um you know if you if you can't strike one then then that's where you go to somewhere where you got the turkey sign and you set up blind call and just you gotta have faith because uh, when i killed the one in florida the other day i was actually sitting there i'd already killed him he was hanging up in a tree i was sitting down and two gobblers came in gobbling looking for me because they'd heard me it had been probably an hour it was probably nine thirty at that point and uh they came in and i, I yelped one time on wing bone and that hunt that particular place they can only kill one bird a day there oh actually i was tagged out so it was all mute point but 
they came in behind me, behind me and had both gobblers at 20 yards, two long beards. Um, and you know, they had heard me an hour before and they came right to me. So they, they can hear you, you know, whether they're answering you or not, just, you gotta have faith that there's birds in the area. Um, you know, they can hear you. And then today, you know, that one bird flew away that we called in and I said, let's, let's set up and just give it another 15 minutes and just see if anything else was coming. So I'll call one more time and I'm sitting there looking down at my phone and my buddy's sitting in front of me and I look up to the left. I didn't have a gun cause I'm done in Florida and there's a gobbler coming in quiet and he walks around my buddy and I go, Psst. Hey. And I just, I was, we didn't work out our hand signals ahead of time, but you know, I got him to turn around. He saw the gobbler just a little bit too late. He didn't have a clear shot of him either, but same thing. That was 45 minutes after, you know, we had called and the one bird flew away. They had another long beard come in quiet as a mouse behind us. So it's just one of those things. If, if they're not gobbling, you, you know, it's better to sit out there and, and, and blind call and, and keep the faith and just give up and, and, wait for another morning when they are you sometimes everybody's got limited time nowadays so you just got to make try to make it happen with what you got excellent well ricky thanks again for coming on for this week's short report that was an excellent report and a lot of good tips there to take away uh and best of luck to you for the rest of your season i know you got some other states you're gonna be going to in the next coming weeks or so so best of luck and stay safe yeah man thank you y'all too Every outdoorsman understands the importance of a great knife, and we all appreciate U.S. craftsmanship. Bladeswork Unlimited has created a community of bladesmiths to provide you a custom knife that will last generations. Whether you're looking for the perfect knife to use in the field or a new addition to your kitchen cutlery, Bladeswork Unlimited has you covered. Check out their online inventory of custom knives or work directly with one of their 25-plus custom bladesmiths to build your dream knife with the Build a Blade program. Start by choosing your blade style, steel type, and handle material, along with everything in between, all the way down to the sheath. Speak directly with the bladesmith building your knife to fine-tune your exact wishes. Jacob and I both own custom knives and have experienced the benefits of custom work with attention to detail, and Bladeswork Unlimited provides that to their customers. Use the code SOUTHERNOUTDOORS, all one word, at checkout to receive a discount on your custom order. Visit bladeswork.com or go to the link in the description and get a knife tougher than you. If you live in the South, you get to rifle hunt more than pretty much the rest of the country. With all that rifle hunting can come a lot of damage. To your hearing. We all know we need to be protecting our hearing when we're gun hunting, but the use of traditional hearing equipment is not ideal. That rut crazed buck might only give you a split second to get a shot off through the pines, which is never enough time to get your hearing protection on. We all know a suppressor is ideal for that situation, but buying one has always been a long, difficult process until Silencer Central. Silencer Central is the creator of a revolutionary process which silences headaches and hassles. The process is simple and makes sense. It's a process that begins with paperwork without the work and ends with Silencer Central delivering your silencer right to your door. That's right, right to your door. They take care of the government paperwork for you and then send you your silencer when it's ready. Sound too good to be true? Well, learn more about Silencer Central's easy buying process at silencercentral.com or give them a call at 888-988-8179. All right, guys, and next on the line, we have our returning guest that we had on the show, Mr. Jimmy Stiles, who we did an episode with just a, a week or two ago, uh, the old Scorched Earth Turkeys hunting episode, uh, who's down in South Alabama and just got him uh, an Alabama bird today. But to kind of kick us off, Jimmy, before we kind of talk too much details, uh, what's the gobbling activity been like for you in South Alabama uh, over this last week or so? 
Uh, I mean, South Alabama this week for me has been uh, it's been pretty on fire. Uh, had lots of goblin birds. Today was a, was the only morning, uh, like first light, uh, that I we didn't hear any gobbles. Um, but uh, they they got cranked up. Uh, it was hot and humid, kind of ugly, uh, right there at first light. Uh, but they got cranked up about eight. Uh, I think we heard our first gobble at eight. Um, then uh, heard a, a few more gobbles. But it's, it's kind of a slow day. But uh, you know these beautiful mornings we've had in the last couple of days. Uh, they've been they've been on fire. Fantastic. And kind of getting to the next question from the gobblers that you've been you know kind of putting eyes on, uh, and also just kind of what you're hearing, especially you know gobbling on the roost. Does it seem like they're fairly hinned up right now uh, and still in some of these smaller flocks, or are you starting to find more lone gobblers out there? Uh, a, a mixture of both. Uh, um, a few days ago, I had a, a couple lone gobblers. Um, that weren't with the hens for for some reason or another. I guess the hens didn't uh, didn't want to be them. I, I actually called the hens up and never got the gobblers to come to me. Um, but the, the turkey I killed today was with two hens. Um, and there, I, I drove by a field the other day and there was uh, a, a gobbler out with uh, six or seven hens. So um, I think they're just now starting to really, you know, starting to separate the hens are looking for nesting sites and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, so it's a, we're right in that transition zone. Which is exciting for any turkey hunter because we all know when those hens start going to, to nest, that's when you can have some awesome hunts, awesome hunts. In. Absolutely. I, and I think that's um, – I've heard more gobbling on the ground in the last week than I have all season. So I think – I think that's kind of what's starting to happen is the, the hens are kicking them loose, starting to move around and look for nest sites and all that sort of stuff and leaving those gobblers. Uh, I've, I've actually heard a fair amount of gobbling um, later in the in the morning, you know, in the 8 to 11 range, um, uh, more than maybe even more so than uh, on the roost. Oh, and that's extremely exciting. And, you know, kind of going yeah. off of, I know, you know, when we had you on the episode, it was all about, you know, hunting burns. The habitat that you're finding a lot of these turkeys still sticking to this time of the year, I mean, are they still in these burns that we kind of talked about just a week or two ago? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the turkey I got today was in a burn, and uh, um, I've been I've been hunting the turkeys in the burns. Um, they're, they're, with this hot weather, they some of them are moving down uh, in the creek bottoms, um, midday, you know, to cool off. Um, but uh, I've been been definitely finding them in the burns, and the um, I, I've been hitting burns that are a couple weeks old now. So they're starting to green up good, and they've been coming in and really hitting that that fresh green stuff in the burns. Um, but uh, but they've also. Uh, uh, been in the creek bottoms as well and kind of getting to one of our uh i'm not gonna say our last question because i think we'll piece this apart a little bit but one question i really want to ask you is you know what has been working for you over the last week or so or on the flip side what has it been working for you over this last week or two that we can kind of you know explain for the listeners yeah i mean uh what has been working is uh you know getting there early hearing them on the roost um and and most importantly not giving up um, you know, waiting, you know, uh, mid-morning yesterday I was out and um, had one goblin real good on the roost. When he flew down, he kind of got quiet. Um, but then about 8.30, he got, you know, real fired up 
and uh, we, we we almost got him in yesterday. Um, uh, luckily, I sealed the deal today. But um, but yeah, be, being patient, and uh, you know, I think they're they're flying down. Maybe getting with the hens and um, you know, seeing what they're you know, and seeing what, what how receptive they are, and when they get kicked to the curb, um, then they they start getting fired up and. Um, so yeah, being patient and, uh, doing the, you know, mid morning thing, uh, has definitely been paying off for me. Um, and, uh, what's not been working is, uh, uh, trying to get them to come to me right off the roost. Uh, I haven't had any, um, that I could get to, uh, to come right off the roost. And, uh, I've, I've tried field hunting, um, you know, just setting up with some decoys on the field. And that definitely uh, hasn't been hasn't been paying off for me, at least. I'm I'm sure some people, uh, you know, had that experience, but hadn't been working for me. Well, Jimmy, let me ask. You know, I know you got some more tags in your pocket. Kind of, what is your game plan, or how how are you going to approach this next week of Alabama season? Uh, as especially these hens kind of start going to nest a little bit more uh, frequently, and again, these gobblers are a little bit more by themselves. Uh, I'm excited about this upcoming week. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be real good. Um, but uh, I'm going to be kind of, you know, sticking to my same old ta- tactics of uh, hitting these, uh, you know, few week old burns, and um, you know, uh, I, I'm on track. Well, I will say one thing that wasn't working was trying to set up in strut zones. So I've been trying to set up, you know, I, I know where the turkeys like to go and strut. And, and that just hadn't been working, but uh, I've been finding getting real aggressive and trying to get real close to the roost tree, um, you know, early and uh, following them around and getting real aggressive and trying to sneak up on them has been working. So uh, I'll probably, probably stick with that for the next week and, uh, Trying, trying to track them down and get close to them as close as I can get without them busting me, and, and uh, do some do some real light calling. Uh, my my loud calling hadn't been getting any responses, um, cuts and loud yelps and that sort of stuff. Uh, they just seem to totally ignore. But uh, they'll come into that that real light calling, you know, some little clucks and purrs and stuff like that. Um, so just try and get. Try and get real close and uh, do some light calling and see if I can pique their interest. Excellent. Well, Jimmy, thanks again for coming on this week's Strut Report, and best of luck to you over this next week of Alabama season. I'm sure it's going to be a good one. I think we're all excited for it, and I uh, can't wait to see some more dead birds and dead turkeys on the ground for you, okay? Yeah, man, you too, man. Hope you all get some. All right, guys, and next on the line, we've got Mr. Adam Jones coming in from North Central Louisiana. Adam, to kick us off, uh, being our first reporter for Louisiana with y'all season coming in this week, uh, what's the gobbling activity been like for you over this last week or so in North Central Louisiana? So far, it's been it's been pretty slow. Uh, the birds I have been here have been hitting me. Uh, they'll some mornings they you know eight, ten, twelve times, and then you have to go back the next morning. They they not say a word. Uh, this past weekend was our youth season, so uh, Saturday morning we went out and heard heard two birds together, gobbled pretty good on the roost, and then as soon as they hit the ground, they never said another word. So, and then we went back the following morning and never heard a bird. Uh, hunted hunted all day long, both days. So, it's uh it's been slow 
to start off, to say the least. Well, to kind of kick us off, um, you know, for Louisiana season that's coming in on the 2nd uh, of April, which you, I believe is Friday, what is, you know, your experience from years past in this area? You know, right now, are we kind of on par with where the gobbling activity should be, or maybe are we a little bit behind from what you've experienced years past? Uh, as far as years past, I'm going to say we've been behind, uh, just historically speaking. You know, throughout the years, from my experience hunting, Youth weekend has always been what seemed like to be peak gobbling, where you go out and you'll hear, you'll hear birds in the woods that, that you had no idea was even there. And it just, they, they run in a little behind us. Uh, I'm still seeing, I'm still seeing large flocks of turkeys to where generally you'd see, you know, lone gobblers out cruising the roads and, you know, midday, late evening looking for hens to where I just passed by a pipeline a while ago that probably had, 18 to 20 birds standing on it still still flocked up so i don't know if this you know if that bad cold weather we had you know that ice age that rode through last month has anything to do with it or 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 what's up with them this year but they they definitely running a little behind yeah and you just hit on about you know these turkeys are still fairly flocked up uh still you know gobblers still hinned up and still kind of in these groups um, are you expecting over the next week or so for that them to kind of split up, or are you expecting them, especially that first week of season, to still be flocked up and having to deal with hinned up turkeys? First week of season, I'm gonna say they're still gonna be flocked up pretty bad, and hopefully as the week progresses and the weather kind of lines out, they'll start busting up and doing their own thing. But uh, this weekend, you know, opening weekend, so everybody's got real high expectations. But I'm gonna say it's gonna be a be a more of a patience game this weekend versus, you know, I'm, I'm typically the, the run and gun style. I like to chase, chase the birds as gobbling. That's the whole reason, you know, I turkey hunt here at Gobble, but uh, I think it's going to be a slow weekend. Now, give the listeners a little bit of an idea. What kind of habitat are you hunting in in north-central Louisiana, and is there any specific habitat type uh, that these turkeys really like to stick to early on in the season? Uh, so the woods I hunt is predominantly – uh, pine plantations. I've got I own thousand to fifteen hundred acres of hardwood bottoms, but it's predominant pine, uh anywhere from you know or cutovers to the first year thinnings to uh we got a lot of the red cockaded woodpecker habitat on, on the lease I hunt. Uh the big mature stands is, that they keep the undergrowth cleaned up in and our birds typically like to stay in that first thinning where it's kind of a little bit thicker. Uh, I'm not sure why they why they tend to stay that. Usually, usually around that 15 to 16 year mark, the timber company come in and do first thinning, and, and the birds just typically stay in it more. Uh, I don't know if it, they they just like it, you know, that undergrowth a little bit more. What the deal is, but uh, yeah, pretty much pretty much pine plantations in your area of the country and again north central louisiana with season coming in you know this weekend uh, really this friday what is your approach you talked about you know you like to run and gun but it's probably gonna be a little bit more of a patience game how are you going to approach this weekend's hunt and also what kind of advice would you give to any other hunters in louisiana right now they're experiencing the same kind of stuff to maybe go out there and, and put a game plan together for opening weekend to maybe go out there and have success, even if the turkeys are flocked up and maybe a little bit more tight-lipped? I think this is, you know, on, on a situation like this is where it's going to pay off to, to a lot of preseason scouts. So 
Uh, you know, every morning I get a chance, I'm out listening. And then every afternoon, every evening, I get, you know, I got boots on the ground where I'm walking these leash roads, walking pipeline and stuff, trying to find where these birds are feeding, where they're liking to hang out. So my approach this weekend, open morning, of course, naturally, I'll be standing there listening for that first gobble to ring off. And, you know, if it rings true, hopefully I can go to him and, and uh, shoot him on fly down. But, um, if you know if that doesn't happen, I'm gonna. I've got some spots that I found with birds are walking the roads or certain areas on the pipelines they're liking to feed. Uh, you know some of the ryegrass patches are really really starting to put off of this weather warming up a little bit, so they're in them feeding. Uh, some of the log sets, the fresher log sets, are in there scratching. So if I can't uh, if I can't do the typical you know run and gun turkey hunt, I'm gonna kind of play the, the waiting game, the patience game, and you know, see how that pans out. But uh, my advice to anybody going out this weekend is to, is to be patient. You know, if you don't hear anything, you don't hear anything on the limb, just kind of sit back and relax. You know, as the morning progresses and the weather warms up, maybe – Maybe them birds will get cranked up. So, Adam, thanks again for coming on for this week's strut report, and best of luck to you and all your buddies uh, this opening weekend of Louisiana season. All right. I appreciate it, sir. Best of luck to everybody listening. All right, guys, and next on the line, we've got Shane Simpson coming in. And uh, now, Shane, you live in Minnesota, but you're hunting in Nebraska, so this report's going to be coming from Nebraska. But to kind of kick us off, uh, what was that gobbling activity like for you while you were hunting Nebraska uh, over the last few days? Um, actually, it's pretty good considering the weather. I mean, which those birds are used to the weather out there, the colder temperatures. Um, the only day that goblin seemed to not be so good was one of the days that it was really windy, but that could have just been because my hearing was impacted by it. Um, but otherwise they were, they were gobbling in the dark had a bright moon out, which probably helped that. Um, they did kind of slow down once they hit the ground. You'd hear a, f- a few gobbles, but once they hit the ground, they kind of got into their whatever their routine was and, and moved about the day. From then, it, it was basically they gobbled at my calls, and, and they didn't just gobble on randomly like sometimes you hear them in the morning just gobbling away. Now, also, kind of for the area that you were kind of hunting, were you experiencing a lot of still flocked-up turkeys, just a lot of hinned-up gobblers, or were you finding much more kind of broken-up uh, flocks and also more lone gobblers out there? There was a mix, I'd say. Um, there was across uh, across the property line of the public where I couldn't hunt. There was on a ridge I could hear a huge flock, and they, I mean, they were just gobbling their heads off, and it it sounded like one of those big winter flocks. But over where I was hunting, um, there were a couple smaller groups that were gobbling. And what I noticed was, and what I visually saw, and, and what I could tell just by audibly hearing uh, you know, gobbles and whatnot, it sounded like one or two gobbles together. Uh, there were some hens walking around. I saw a hen with some, uh, the young of the year. You, can, you know, I, I've described the wing patch where you can age them. So I could see one mature hen and, and then like four or five uh, poults and then another jake with them maybe. But basically what, basically what I saw on my side uh, on the public area was, you know, a, a Tom and a Jake together, three Toms together, strutting and gobbling. Um, kind of like they broke up pretty good. They were out there doing their thing like you want to see in the spring. So a little mix, I guess, is the biggest, uh, I guess, to summarize. But uh, they were they were moving along pretty good in their, 
in their breakup. Now, also, you know, this area of Nebraska that you were hunting in, can you describe a little bit, you know, what kind of habitat type uh, were you kind of hunting in? And also, what was there any specific habitat type the turkeys really were sticking to while you were up there hunting? Well, it's kind of the habitat I look for when, whenever I'm hunting out west, Nebraska, South Dakota, that sort of thing. Um, you know, creeks, rivers, uh, with cottonwoods along them, the roofs. You got these drainages that come down. You know, they have cedars and other trees. That, that's it. that's usually my focal, and that's kind of what I was in. It was kind of a rugged, hilly terrain. is mostly hilly because of you know thousands of years of erosion, and then you got cedars and cottonwoods. They were roosting down in the where these drainages met the main river, and and uh, the cottonwoods and oaks were at. That's basically the kind of the, the lay of the land there. There was some you know up on top. There's flat prairie type stuff and they would usually in the morning hit the ground and start working their way up that way to the top and i know you did have success while you were over there in nebraska during the archery season which is really awesome especially hunting with some traditional archery equipment i'm sure the footage is pretty sweet and that'll be a really cool story to kind of remember for a long time but what kind of worked for you in a very short window of time uh, tactic wise or, or technique wise that helped you be successful and what piece of advice would you give to anybody that's maybe hunting nebraska now listening to the episode or that will be hunting nebraska in the next week or so uh what kind of piece of advice would you give them if they're kind of going into that environment it's it's actually hard to say because these birds just seem like they were in the mood and, and probably any call would have worked but i was i was hen yelping i was changing the pitch of my yelp i was i even doing a few key keys um they just seemed eager to come in I, Several times I called birds in, and I'm using a recurve, and I wanted them really close. This morning's hunt, I think what worked on it was I added in some Jacobs. I had a bird goblin. He just was holding his position. I couldn't move any closer because he was going to see me. I was about 50 yards inside the woods. He was like on a little knoll that was, you know, grassy knoll. And it was pretty big when, you know, it was 10 acres inside or a size or more. But he was just holding his ground, and I was kiki, and I was hen yelping, trying to sound like multiple hens, clucking and purring, raking the leaves. And I finally threw some jake yelps in there, and he just went nuts gobbling. And then he broke and started coming. And I think just by that reaction soon after jake yelping, I think that's what finally broke him uh, to come on in because now he thought maybe there was some competition moving in down there where he was hearing this. Uh, a small flock of hens. And that's a really cool point how you brought up the whole Jake yelping. Uh, that's something I know uh, last few episodes Andrew's talked about quite a bit and having success doing that, especially when that bird does hang up just out of range and, you know, he's heard you, you know, whether you're clucking and purring, doing some soft yelps or whatever, and doing those Jake yelps to really kind of seal the deal. And also, Mr. Uh, Mike Pentecost, who we just had on the episode this past Monday, uh, talked a lot about that and how kind of, you know, Jake yelps plays a huge factor in the, in the train and have that he hunts publicly in Alabama uh, and how that can really seal the deal as well. So that's a really good tip for anybody out there to learn how to do that call is with the Jake yelps. Yeah, Jake, anything, you know, uh, male decoys, you know, Jake yelps to, uh, to, to be an audible decoy. You know, I've, I've told people this before, you know, when I use a deep or I only use a Jake. And there, I mean, it's a, it's a great option. It really works well. But if you're, if you're not using a decoy, like I wasn't using one on this hunt, if you can learn to Jake up, you sound like the Jake. You know, you don't have to actually, they don't have to see ones. If they, if they just get the thought that there's a male turkey down there, 
it's sometimes enough to get them to come on in and commit. Now, one thing that also about, you know, you, Shane, the episode we did with you uh, a few weeks ago, actually maybe it was just over a month ago now, um, has been a huge success. We had a lot of listeners uh, just write in saying how they enjoyed the show. We actually had three listener success stories come from that episode as well, uh, two being from guys it was their very first turkey. Um, you know, when it comes to your approach to hunting, you know, public land, you travel a lot of different states, you have – success in a bunch of different habitat types and across the country. What's maybe a really uh, significant tip that you can kind of leave the listeners as, you know, maybe there's some guys traveling this spring, going to some new states, going to some new terrain, new habitat, maybe they're not familiar with, but they have five days, five to seven days to really make it happen. What kind of advice would you give to those guys that are going out there trying to make it happen in a new state form? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I guess off the top of my head, I had to, there's something I concentrate on a lot and that's, water um creeks drainages uh where there's woods um turkeys feel more secure in the woods and i'm just trying to give a summary of all the areas i mean it's going to vary from different parts of the country but if i had to to name one that's uh synonymous with all of them it's uh getting down in those bottoms uh, along those drainages you know that's where food is I mean, a lot of times and that's uh you know, there's cover, especially in like hilly type terrain, and, and you're going to get that when there's drainages and stuff a lot of times. But that just seems to be popular areas for turkeys. If I'm going in blind somewhere and know nothing about the area, I'm looking for, you know, those little blue uh, wiggly lines on the map that tells me there's a stream or a creek or something there. Those are good starting points. You know, not only the turkeys are likely going to be there, but you're going to find sign there scratching. You're going to find tracks in the in the mud along the creek and, and stuff, and you can get fresh, you know, good intel like there's fresh activity through here. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a difficult question to answer, but I may ask, but an answer, but that's that's kind of what I would key in on with nothing else to go on. That would be a good starting point. And one of the last questions I want to ask you, Shane, before we wrap up this um this interview itself is what is one of the bigger mistakes you see guys make early on in the season, especially maybe they're all excited to get out there, especially as these other States, especially in the Midwest start opening up over the next few weeks. You know, what are some mistakes you see a lot of guys make, especially that first week of the season that maybe they can kind of correct. Maybe you can give them a little piece of advice uh, to kind of approach the season, maybe a little bit differently to maybe have success early on. Uh, I don't know. That's just uh, spend time in the woods. Uh, a lot of people, I think they, they're excited to go and they get out there that morning. They don't hear any goblin. And so they call it quits, go get some breakfast or whatever. Um, sometimes those birds, especially on the pressured public areas, they may be quiet on the roost, but nine, 10 o'clock, you know, as it warms up, and it's not always the hens leaving the gobblers. I, th I think they get used to, especially on those harder hit areas, they get used to the, uh, the, you know, hunter intrusion. And then the woods quiet down, and they, they don't have all that later in the morning. And I've experienced that on a number of occasions where I go into a public area and nothing's gobbling on the roost. But I just stick with it. You know, just just hang tight. Take you a little nap, cat nap or something. Eight, nine o'clock when the sun gets about midway up and it's warming up in the woods. And the owl fires off, and all of a sudden you hear a gobble. And, and those birds usually are killable, very killable. Excellent. Well, Shane, thanks again for coming on this week's Strut Report, and best of luck to you for the rest of your season and the rest of the states that you'll be hitting this spring. All right, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, and good luck to you as well. 
All right, guys, next on the line, we've got Hunter Sullivan coming in from Central Florida. Going to give us a report on some turkeys down there and overall activity. But, uh, Hunter, to kind of kick us off, my man, what has the gobbling activity been like for you uh, since opening day, but also uh, over this last week and from the reports you've heard from some of your other buddies? Well, man, opening day it was pretty slow. I heard I heard two or three birds. Um, I got in real early to my spot, but uh, the one bird that, that was closest to me that I ended up trying to work – uh, towards, uh, I, I heard a gunshot go off after the, the third or fourth time he gobbled. So I eased back. And, uh, other than that, I hunted six days. Uh, I got my first tag punched on the sixth day of my, my hunting. And then, um, I mean, it was, it was real slow. I had up until the bird that I killed who probably gobbled 50 plus times, I had heard maybe 15 gobbles and 12 of them had come from a, a different bird that I worked that, uh, ended up giving me the slip. Interesting. All right. Very cool. Now, kind of going to another question, which I'm curious on, in your area of Florida, right now from what you personally have been experiencing, but also maybe what you've heard from some of your buddies in the same area as well, are these turkeys, are the gobblers kind of flocked up still? I mean, are they kind of still henned up? Are they still with a lot of hens? Or are you starting to find more gobblers kind of by themselves at this time of the season? Uh, I don't I don't necessarily think they're flocked up. I think it's, uh, it's one gobbler with one or two hens and uh, – or the the for instance the bird I killed was two gobblers with one hen. Uh, I'm starting to see a lot of lone hens in the afternoon. Uh, groups of uh, two hens and, and and single hens walking around. Actually, a uh, youth weekend and here in Central Florida, I was successful with my took my girlfriend's little brother out and uh, ended up calling up two hens. Got them real excited and not 15 minutes after that, a, a gobbler came in to to see what what the commotion was and. He shot him about 40 yards, and he only gobbled one time. But it seems just about about normal for this time of year. I feel the next week should pick up a little bit more, and we should hear hear more gobbling and start seeing uh, these lone birds out in the afternoons a lot more. And uh, I think the the – the killing's about to start happening, hopefully. Fantastic. Well, that's always good to hear. And kind of going into another question, which I'm really curious on as well with your part of the country, just because I'm not very familiar with it, what is the habitat like that you hunt in in central Florida? And also, is there any specific type of habitat that these turkeys really like to stick to, you know, at this point of the season? Uh, so I hunt a lot of oaks. We have a lot of live oaks and water oaks, uh, but mostly big live oak hammocks. Uh, they always love to be in those. If you can find a live oak hammock that's tucked up or got some water next to it or maybe a marsh next to it, they'll be on the edge of that for sure. Uh, you find them a lot of times, uh, these little strut zones, they'll have these these marshes will be flat and not as mucky and, you know, turkey steppable, not not necessarily people steppable, but a turkey can walk out on there and, and strut around and, and they'll be on the edge of those lakes and marshes and whatnot where they have those oaks to get up into to roost. Uh, I've been hunting a lot of uh, the, these these live oak hammocks, but the success I had youth weekend was uh, actually in some water oaks up against the lake. Um, I have hunted Alabama one time, but what I would consider, you know, some some real dense, you know, green hardwoods, you know, almost what I would uh, imagine as a bottom being looking like. Uh, real thick, uh, thick stuff, lots of green. Um, but uh, and uh, these birds are they're working through there with some hens and they're just feeding around right about now. And kind of in this area, uh, I know you had success on the sixth day of the season or the sixth day of, of hunting, uh, and you killed a, a heck of a bird, dude. He's got some hooks on him, which I know you told me earlier, he kind of got you as well when you were trying to grab him. Uh, but 
let, I want to talk a little bit about that hunt. You know, what kind of helps you be successful with that turkey? And um, also, just what kind of pieced that together after hunting for six days, you know, kind of made it all happen? And maybe what are some of your takeaways that you'll kind of use and apply towards, you know, killing your, your second bird for the state of Florida? Uh, persistence. After six days of camping in a tent, uh, you know, eating canned meals, persistence. You know, you, you, you just – I had, you know, I feel like I always go out in the woods with the mindset, you know, uh, what's going to happen is going to happen, but, you know, I always – would like to go out with a bird but uh you know i just kept after these birds and uh you know i knew i was in a good location i knew that the birds were there that even though they weren't gobbling that much you know i would get a couple to gobble off the roost but they'd hit the ground and, and they wouldn't they wouldn't gobble again uh, and you really couldn't find them in the evenings that much so i knew if i stuck in the areas where i'd seen sign and and spent time around the birds that uh that it would happen um eventually i was actually headed out of the woods when this, uh, when the bird that I eventually uh, harvested, uh, gobbled at about 11:30 or so, and uh, it was a, he was in a tricky spot, and I knew I was gonna either have to try my, you know, just go out and give him a, a good old try, or head home, and you know, I'm not one for for leaving a gobbling bird in the woods, so I uh, did my best. I ended up calling him over a canal, and. Uh, shooting him across the canal and he was he was strutting on the edge of a on the, right on the edge of the public line and it, with another gobbler strutting and they hammered for a good 35 minutes until the the one that i ended up shooting decided to fly that canal and check out well, what was going on basically all i was doing calling wise was trying to get i was trying to get up down down this edge of this 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 line from them in front of them based off the direction that I could tell they were, they were heading towards. I was trying to get in front of them. And, uh, I did a lot of, a lot of hand yelping, uh, some, some real key keys and then some aggressive, uh, cutting. And, uh, I think really what ended up sealing the deal was some Jake yelps at the end, uh, that got that one gobbler, uh, who I don't know if might've been not the a hundred percent dominant bird or, or whatnot, but decided to uh, fly that canal and give me an opportunity. And that's interesting. You said that, and again, any listeners that's you know heard that uh, you talk about the Jake Yelps has heard a few other guests on here talk about the importance of Jake Yelps and how that has helped them close the deal as well during this part of the season. So, like I said earlier on another one of our reporters, definitely you want to make sure, guys, you learn how to use that Jake Yelp and, and be able to know when to apply that. I know on this past Monday's episode with Mr. Uh, Mike Pentecost of Woodhaven Custom Calls, he talked a lot about Jake Yelps and, again, the importance of them and how he's used them very efficiently hunting high-pressure public land birds and how, again, using that Jake Yelp can really pay off uh, big time for you when it comes to sealing the deal, especially whether you have a bird that gets hung up uh, and all you've been doing is clucking purring and, and doing some soft yelps to them, or in a situation where you just have a bird that's just stuck out with some hens, and after doing a couple, um, you know, yelps and cutting sequences, throwing in that Jake yelp in there as well, just to seal the deal like there's another male bird in the area and bring out some of that dominant traits of that gobbler. So that's really cool how you were able to apply that and again have success with it. And hopefully, a lot of you listeners out there has been beating your head on this episode. You go out there, learn that call, and definitely start applying that come this weekend. Yeah, it was it was really uh, crucial, I think, and. I was probably the most aggressive calling I had done all week, and it was only because the gobblers responded to it. You know, I gave them a couple of key keys and something real light, and they just, I mean, they were double gobbling on top of themselves. And uh, so I, I just knew I can get a real aggressive with it and try to 
try to push them their limits and, and see if I can get them ticked off and, and come on over. Now, Hunter, what are you going to do to be able to fill your uh, second tag for the state of Florida? What's kind of the game plan, and how are you going to approach it at this point of the season? Um, right about now, I'm, I'm I'm hoping for things to. I'm hoping to get a little bit more goblin activity. I'm hoping to get some more birds that are are willing to. You know, maybe not more birds in distance, but some more birds that are willing to play the game. Uh, I'm I'm going to go to some new private land, or not necessarily new, uh, but private land I haven't hunted this uh this season yet the quota was the first nine days and I didn't have a quota so I'm gonna go try that out and uh, it's a place I've hunted uh previously had some success uh, so I'm gonna go up in there and um hunt some old areas that uh have, have been good to me hunt some got some cypress heads that have some nice little pinch points or, around some burns so I'm hoping to do really good I'm actually going out tomorrow morning so I'm hoping to do a to uh punch my second tag or or at least get some 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 more waypoints dropped Fantastic. Awesome. Well, Hunter, thanks again for coming on uh, this week's episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Strut Report, and best of luck to you for the rest of your season in the state of Florida. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's an honor to be here. All right, guys, and next on the line, we've got Matt Ryan coming on from Central Mississippi. Matt, to kind of kick us off for this report coming from Central Mississippi, what has the gobbling activity been like for you over this last week in Mississippi? Man, to, to be honest, um, starting off first week, on most birds I was getting on were pretty hot and heavy on the roost. They hit the ground, they hit up real quick, and uh, just kind of just kind of go quiet from there. Um, but this last week, I've been chasing uh, one specific bird, and he's a little odd. He never would gobble on the roost. He would find his kind of kind of safe zone, and once he got there, he would he'd really just start trying to tear the trees down. So. Um, but while I was chasing him, I never really heard any other birds on the roost or on the ground anywhere else. Um, so I don't know if it's just because, uh, he was kind of in control of that area or if there's just not much talking going on there. Um, but based off sign, I know there are more, more gobblers other than him in there. So I think it was just colder weather setting in a lot of rains, keeping a little quiet there on the roost and throughout the day. So. Yeah, as of right now, I know you've killed two. You've killed two turkeys in the uh, state of Mississippi so far. Uh, when it comes to this, the gobbling activity uh, compared to years past and past experiences, and also just talking to other guys and buddies in the area, you know, are we kind of on par with where it should be this time of the year, or maybe are we a little bit behind uh, from maybe this same time of the year, the same time of the season from years past? Yeah, from from what I can remember, it's been a couple of years since I lived in Mississippi. So we just moved back. Um, but from when I was here about five or six years ago living here, it's about right on par. Um, it's usually pretty slow the, the last half uh, of March, and then right about the, the beginning of April, it really starts getting hot and heavy, and usually right at Easter is about when it, when it peaks here around the central Mississippi area, at least for me in the past from what I can recall and remember. So Okay, great. That's something that we've kind of – heard from a couple other reporters uh, tonight, which is something that's really impactful for anybody out there that's listening right now. Again, normally in the southeast right now, this first week of April should be on fire wherever you're at. Uh, so definitely, if you got vacation time, you got sick time, you got some COVID time, you're calling in sick. I mean, I'm thinking about calling in sick tomorrow, just, you know, this post front coming through. Um, hopefully, you know, I don't, my employees don't listen to this. My employers don't listen to this podcast, thankfully. But um, definitely, you know, you want to try to be off this first week of, of April if you live in Alabama, Mississippi, or Georgia, because it should be on fire. But to kind of kick us over to the next topic, I want to talk about uh, the turkeys that you have been on and uh, like the gobble you killed today. Uh, have they been still fairly flocked up and hinned up right now, or are you finding more lone gobblers uh, out there on the landscape? Um, I've been running into kind of groups of jakes. Um, a lot of, well, I won't say a lot, um, a couple 
lone two-year-olds, um, but any any bird of any significance that's got any more than likely got any good spurs or good beard good beard on him or anything is still pretty flocked up and holding his hens. Um, I can remember off the top of my head just this last week driving around, kind of scouting and just heading heading into work after hunting and everything of at least seeing five or six groups of over 20 birds still together. Um, so there's spots around Mississippi where, um, or at least my area of Mississippi, where they're definitely flocked up. But, you know, you're still running into those lone birds that are starting to get out, uh, kind of be pushed away from flocks and trying to find those hens that they're looking for. But hens don't seem to really be leaving them too readily quite yet from what I'm seeing. And kind of going over to the next question, I'm really curious, what kind of habitat type are you kind of hunting in in the state of Mississippi? And is there any specific habitat type these turkeys are really wanting to stick to at this time of the season, kind of early on in the season? Well, that, that first bird that I shot early on, uh, that first open week, I shot him in a big, wide-open field that was running a rig pop. Um, that was the open week. It was rough, pretty rough weather all week long, so there really wasn't much pressure. Uh, and so he was real comfortable being out in the wide open. But after that first weekend um, with really good weather and a lot of pressure out on these public lands and really private lands too, um, I haven't seen many birds out in the open. Um, that's on public at least. Uh, all the birds that I found have been sticking to some pretty thick, heavy cover and not really leaving it very much. But like I said, it's also pressure, and we've had some some kind of intermittent rough weather, especially this last week and a half or so, coming through, keeping them, you know, stuck sticking to that tight stuff. Now, what tactics and tips uh, and techniques have really been working for you with the turkeys that you've killed so far this season? And has there been anything that hasn't been working for you that's maybe allowed you to struggle a little bit more uh, just kind of early on in the season? Well, I'll, just, I'll talk about it specifically with the bird I killed today. Um, got on him Saturday and Sunday. Um, he was, like I said, he wouldn't gobble on the roost, um, but he had it. He had a safe spot out there in the corner of a little flooded swamp bottom that he, when he got there, he would just try to tear the trees down with it. Um, you know, anybody, when you start hearing a bird gobbling every 45 seconds, throwing in an occasional double and triple gobble, you know, you get excited and it's hard to be real patient. Um, so kind of pushed, in, pushed the envelope a little bit on Saturday and Sunday um, just because I was getting excited and losing that patience. But kind of once I stepped back and said, all right, it's time to slow down and not push him too much, um, that's when things really started to click. Um, and I started thinking about how the hens have been acting and responding because the hens are starting to call out and, and get kind of talkative right now. Um, and what I've noticed when I stepped down and started thinking about kind of how these hunts were playing out is that um, a lot of calling just due to pressure, these hens, are, hens and toms are starting to go the other way. And so really what's been what helped me with this bird is, you know, just knowing the lay of the land, the wood, woodsmanship aspect to it, and just real soft calling if I even called at all. Um, today, the way I killed him is I, I was just waiting to either hear or see him. I gave I heard, the, heard the, a hen up, up the hill from me and gave one soft, just four-note series of, of yelps, and that's all I gave. 45 minutes later, there they were in my face. So, um, you know, hunting that that, private, that public land, sorry about that, it was, you know, just soft calling. A lot of patience has really been being productive right now with how heavily everything's being pressured. Now, over the next week or so, especially as maybe some of these more, some of the more hens kind of start going to nest a little bit more, do you imagine any of your tactics are going to be changing much when that starts to happen? Um, it, it really depends on what, what the toms are going to show. If they start getting real interested and getting ready to, getting where they'll commit 
you know, I'll definitely get more aggressive. Um, it's definitely what I've done in the past, whether it's been in Mississippi or Alabama, is when they start getting, you know, kind of that, those midday lonesome and afternoon lonesome feelings, you, know, you get more aggressive with them. Um, but once again, it's just reacting to what those times show you. If they start hearing a call and head the other way, then instead of calling at them, I'll be scratching on the, scratching the leaves and just playing it quiet still with them. So just all depends on what they're showing. Well, let's talk about this because from some of the other reports that we've had on this episode, I've talked about they're finally kind of getting to that stage of the season when more of these hens are really going to uh, to nest. These gobblers are a lot more responsive uh, to calls and just being a little bit more eager to come into setups, uh, which plays a little bit more of a factor for being more aggressive, running, gunning, you know, getting inside that bubble of that turkey and just, I mean, putting the brakes on them and getting them to, uh, to finally actually commit. But let me ask, because I know you have a lot of experience turkey hunting, especially in the southeast. When it gets to that point in the season, whether it's Mississippi or any of these other states, I know you have a lot of experience hunting Alabama as well. How does your approach change when they are a lot more responsive and you can be a little bit more aggressive? How do you kind of uh, you know walk through that hunt? And I know every turkey is a little bit different with the scenario, but kind of what are some of the do's and don'ts uh, when those turkeys are a little bit more responsive and they're more eager to come into the setup and you can maybe be a little bit more aggressive with them? So typically what I'll do is I'll use the terrain to my advantage, just try to slip in as close as I can comfortably and still not overcall. Um, one, one of the things I've always liked to do, and um, Mike mentioned the other night when y'all were talking to him that, um, you know, when, when those gobblers, you know, sound off, I try to, you know, cut them off or really st- give them a couple note series of yelps as close as I can to um, that gobble and them talking but I really try not to overcall. When I first started turkey hunting, you know, every five to ten minutes until I saw the bird come in and, you know, was really aggressive and I just wasn't killing many birds. And when I, when I really started, you know, just letting them know where I was at, um, trying to slip in as close as I could to them and really letting that curiosity aspect play a role for that bird, that's when I really started consistently becoming successful with, with shooting birds on public land. You know, based off terrain and everything else, how close would you want to try to get into, uh, you know, quote on that quote, the bubble of that turkey uh, to, you know, give them that final setup and that final little calling sequence to kind of draw them in that final little bit of distance? Um, you know, if, he, if he's on the other side of a, of a ridge, I, I got a lot of, you know, a little bit of wind cover and a lot of barrier between visual um, visualization of him being able to see me. You know, there's times I've slipped into, you know, 50 or 60 yards and him never know I was there. Um, but there's also times like where I was hunting at um, this, this morning where it's a, a big wide open swamp bottom, you know, just because he can see forever, you know, I may only be able to slide into 150, 200 yards and just, you know, try to just stay at that distance if he's moving off swing around in front of him just let him know where, I, where i'm at let that curiosity kill him and just kind of play that chess match from there but a lot of it you know if i got a good ridge top i'm going to slide in and use it to my advantage but if it's wide open I'm, you're going to have to stay further away let me ask in your situation especially with the turkey you killed this morning that was in that wide open swamp bottom um how did you get that bird to commit into shotgun range especially hunting more open terrain like that where he can see for a long ways and keep him from getting hung up so it was actually more, more instead of really a true commitment, it was just more of a knowing him, knowing his patterns, and using that woodsmanship aspect of it. You know, I, like I said, I'd been chasing for four mornings in a row and just pressuring him a little bit too much on um, Saturday, Sunday. But what I noticed was anytime you'd, you'd call at him, he'd either go the other way with his hens or he wouldn't commit. He was sitting in that one spot. Uh, we had a, a, a pretty hefty rainstorm that came through last night, so I said, well, 
it's time to get wet and beat him to a spot. So I've just used that to my advantage, and I actually just got in there um, to where he liked to go. And once he, once I heard that hidden sound off above that hill, um, that hillside above me, it, you know, I called back and he heard a hint down into that area where he liked to be at and felt safe. I think that's why there he just thought there was a turkey already in there where he felt safe at, so he finally was was just kind of a little bit quicker about getting there once he heard that. Excellent. Definitely huge factor for woodsmanship there. Like you said, you're, you know, put a little time in on that bird. You knew his tendencies of where he wanted to spend time and you use that to your advantage to his detriment. And now, you know, he's going to be all cooked <laughs> up turkey breast and uh, another fan for the oh, wall. Yeah. So that that's awesome. And that's definitely something, you know, it's actually a common occurrence with uh, some of our reporters for this week that have killed a few of you guys have actually killed turkeys that you have been on for multiple days between four to six days each uh and actually killed that turkey and everybody did a little bit differently but also is very similar as well just based off knowing the tendencies of that gobbler and all of them being very stubborn not wanting to come into calls because either they got um, screwed up and messed up on you know early on the first day or two of chasing that turkey or they're just a little bit, you know, too wise for what they are. And, uh, and, and guys using those tendencies to their advantage and going in there having success. I know um, uh, Ricky, who we had on earlier in this episode, that's exactly what he did for a turkey he was chasing for uh, six days. Uh, so that's a really good tip that you've heard, everybody's listening right now, heard multiple times on this strut report, that if you do have a specific gobbler you're going after, you need to put some time in and also learn to lay the lane and figure out where they wanting to spend time so you can slip in on them and put yourself in the right place position so like what you did Ron, uh, what you did um uh matt again with the whole spot of knowing the area getting down there before him doing some subtle calling and he just committed uh, all the way and and now he's uh now he's gonna be roasted so <laughs> <laughs> well and a lot of it too depends on where i'm hunting at you know there's definitely pressure on where i've been hunting at but it's definitely not as high as pressure as in other areas so i knew that i had a couple extra days to to, to, to mess with him really learn you know what he liked to do but there's certain areas of the state that, that I've, I've hunted that you get one shot and as soon as you pull out of that parking lot or parking spot someone else is going to be in there chasing right there behind you so that's when i'll really you know push my push my limit push my luck a little bit more knowing that the someone's just going to pull in right right behind me and do it so a lot of been able to do that's also just dependent on the piece of public i'm on at that time well matt appreciate you uh coming on for this week's short report best of luck to you for the rest of your season and uh definitely have to stay in touch and kind of see um you know what other birds you put down and by the way i was going to ask you before we hop off are you gonna be hunting alabama at all uh if i could knock off this third bird um uh, i may try to slip over there a little bit but if I, i'm gonna stay over here closer to the house this season just try to work on this one and may, may run a video camera for some people we'll just we'll just kind of see where it takes me awesome well matt thanks again for coming on this week's strut report and best of luck to you for the rest of your season hey y'all have a good one too all right everybody that wraps up this week's episode of the southern outdoorsman strut report hope you enjoyed it if you did please share it with a buddy and also while you're at it now a lot of y'all follow us on Facebook. If you would, go give, go give us a like and a follow over on Instagram. I'm trying to grow the Instagram page a little bit more. I know there's a lot of you guys that don't follow us on both. So if you would, take, a take some time today. Go over to Instagram. Give us a follow. Give us a like on our newest post. And also, if you really enjoy the show, especially if you're a new listener, go drop us a review if you listen on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Really appreciate y'all 
appreciate all those reviews. And we will read every one of those new reviews each week uh, on the Monday's episode. So make sure you all tune in for Monday. We've got a fantastic episode coming out for you guys with a turkey killer. It's got some really hot topics and tips that we're going to go over. And also make sure you tune in Friday afternoon, either while you're leaving work or Saturday morning while you're heading into the woods to the this week's episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Listener Success Story Turkey Edition. Other than that, guys, y'all have a great rest of your day, and we will talk to you guys on Monday. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman, and thank you to Blackberry Smoke for the music for the podcast. Also, to follow along with us, make sure you check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Until next time, y'all stay Southern. All right, guys, we're starting to get kind of close to summer here. And you know what my favorite part about summer is? The Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard us talk about it a lot last year, and we actually got to meet a lot of you guys at that expo. Well, we're excited to announce we're going to be there again. This time it's going to be in Dalton, Georgia, June 28th through June 30th. We are going to be there all three days. We're going to have a bunch of past podcast guests there. We're going to have a booth where you can come by and grab some merchandise. And I'm sure we're going to be recording all kinds of podcasts there. If you're unfamiliar, the Mobile Hunters Expo is the place you need to be if you are the kind of hunter that listens to this podcast this show was literally made for you it is an excellent group of people that are going to be there a lot of whitetail killers from around the southeast are going to be there you're going to get to talk to them shake their hand learn from them in person make some connections and guys we get a lot of questions about hey, which saddle should i get which tree stand should i get what about this piece of gear what about that piece of gear How do I meet other hunters who want to hunt the same way that I do? You know, finding a good hunting buddy. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a place for all of that. So you guys don't miss it. June 28th through the 30th, Dalton, Georgia. We'll see you there.